Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Encounter Church, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your life. If you want more information about Encounter Church, please go to our website, encounterchurch.ag. Thanks again. Enjoy the message. Now, how many of you are ready for the Word of God today? Amen. Amen. Well, I'm excited about this series. We're taking several weeks, seven weeks in fact, to talk about who we are. In fact, we've titled this series, At Our Core. We're talking about the mission and the vision, core values. What is our thrust? What is our drive? What moves us forward as a church? Why do we exist? You see, it's vitally important that we understand why we exist. We cannot fall into the mode of just coming in and going through the routine because if we just come in and go through the routine, we'll stay here and never go where God wants us to be. Let me say that again. If we come in here week after week and maybe you sit in the same spot because most of us are creatures of habit, the only reason you've sat in a different spot recently is because we keep changing the chairs around trying to fit more people in here. So if you just come in here week after week and you sit in your same spot and you go through the same routine and maybe you know when you lift your hands, you know when the hands go down, you know when to clap, you know when to sit, you go through all of that, but you never really know why we exist or what we're all about, you'll simply stay right here. You'll never move any closer to where God would have you to be. So I challenge you during this series, don't let this just be a conversation about why does Encounter Church exist? Because if you're here today, guess what? You are part of this body of believers. Therefore, you're part of this family. Therefore, what's at our core should be at your core. Are you with me on this this morning? We've got to begin to walk together numerous times throughout the scripture, over and over in the Bible, it talks about the body of Christ being unified with one purpose and one goal. Do you remember the day of Pentecost? They were all in the upper room, 120 of them together, but they were unified, and as they were unified together, they were crying out to God, and suddenly an outpouring of the Holy Spirit came. I remember another time in the Old Testament when the Ark of the Covenant was being moved, and suddenly the Bible says that they all gathered together. They were all in one accord. They were all in one mind. They were all unified together. And it got to the point as they began to worship, suddenly the presence of God fell in the place where they were. And the Bible says the priest could not even continue the service because the presence of God was so thick. What would happen? What would happen if the church of America would cease just doing church and we would come to the place of desiring and longing in unity for a true outpouring of His spirits? What would happen If no longer we just came because it was Sunday morning and it's what our family expected us 
to do? What would happen if suddenly we came with an expectancy on our heart? What would happen if we came into the presence of God, gathering together, longing for an outpouring of God's Spirit? What would happen if the church would truly begin to be the church? I believe not only would this body change, but our city would change, and our county would change, and our states would change, and our nation would change, and our world would change. Why? Because a people sought the face of God. Well, pastor, how can we make a difference? Think of the early church. Think of an early church, a remnant of people, passionate about the things of God. They understood what was at the core. They didn't grasp everything. They didn't know what they were waiting for. All they knew was Jesus said, don't leave Jerusalem until the promise comes. They didn't know what that promise was. But they sought the presence of God. Oh, oh. They didn't seek tongues. Now, this is not even in my notes, guys. This is all free. They didn't seek a manifestation, they sought the very presence of God. Now, tongues is important. That's our prayer language. We, we need that. It's vitally important. Someone have you to believe that it's not for today. They're wrong. Because all of God's word is applicable to today. We can't take this little piece out and that little piece out and say, well, that was just for them back then. No. This is our guidebook. But we can't just seek a manifestation because then we'll miss the source. We must begin to seek the face of God. Now, let me get into my notes here. We're in a series right now called, by the way, somebody needed to hear that. I don't know why I shared that, but somebody needed to hear it. Uh, we're at, in a series called At Our Core. We're looking at our, our mission and our core values. We've taken the time to understand that our mission is what? Love. Good, good. We're getting it. Love, reach, empower. We love God. We love people. The greatest commandment, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God. Love people. Reach. We reach up. We connect with him. We reach in. We make the changes on the inside, and then we reach out. Look at this. We've got to make the changes here before we can ever do a change there. So up, in, and out. And then we empower. We empower others to be disciples. That's the great commission. Go into all the world and make disciples of everyone everywhere, reaching beyond ourselves. We've taken the time to discover our first four core values, and if you've missed them, please go back and listen to the podcast, listen to the video, however you want to view it. It's out there, numerous different venues, numerous different ways, but understand who we are at our core. And today, I want to take some time to look at our fifth 
core value, then next Sunday we'll wrap up this series. Core value number five is this. We model integrity at all times. Now look at this. We model, model integrity when? At all times. Because here's the deal. If we don't model integrity in all times, then we won't have integrity at all. Think about this. If we say, well, I have integrity on Sunday morning when I'm in the house of God. Well, then you're a hypocrite and you're not living the life that God's called you to live. Was that too straightforward? Okay. We model integrity, and if, if you're body, in part of this body of believers, if you're part of this church, guess what? I challenge you today, step up and begin to model integrity every single moment. Is that easy? No. I would venture to say that there's not a person in this room, there's not a person watching online today that would negate the fact that integrity is vitally important. It's a major characteristic that we as Christians should display. But I would venture to say that integrity is not always held as tightly to as it should be. Listen carefully. Not a single one of us would say, oh, pastor, as a Christian, we don't need integrity. Not a single one of us would say that. Yet I would venture to say that we don't always hold tightly to this idea of integrity. It's easy to to say what we think somebody else wants us to say. It's easy to... To, to slip up and, and do something that in our minds we think, well, it's not going to make a real big difference because no one's really going to know. In the long haul, it's not really going to change anything at all, but that's where you're wrong. Did you know that a, a small compromise here and a little compromise there can make a bigger impact than you initially thought. You see, a small decision now has the potential to affect the outcome and even the trust level in later situations. Are you following me here? The word integrity by definition is this. Firm adherence to a code of moral values. Or incorruptibility a firm adherence to a code of moral values what is the moral value that we're basing all of this on is it the world's idea is it our neighbor's thoughts our parents ideas no it's the very word of god this is the code of moral values This, the Bible, is our rule book, is our guidebook. This is where we get our value system from. Now watch carefully. There's coming a time, and we're already beginning to see it happen, when the culture is wanting to change this. 
Because they know if they can change this, then it's going to devalue this. Suddenly, this isn't going to make any difference because this is going to fall in line with everything that's happening out here. This never changes. The Word of God is our constant. This is what we must hold tightly to. I talked the last couple of weeks, we've got to hold tightly to the mission. Guess where our mission comes from? Right here. We hold tightly to the mission. We don't allow the words to be changed. We don't allow it to be altered so it can become politically correct. We hold tightly to our code of moral values, the Word of God. We are incorruptible. So let me ask you a personal question this morning. Do you consider yourself a person of integrity? Don't raise your hand. Do you consider yourself a person of integrity? Would those around you consider, that, consider you to be incorruptible? The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, chapter 10, verse 9, whoever walks in integrity walks securely. I want to say that again. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his way crooked will be, say it with me, found out. Once again, as in many of our core values, there's an intentional choice with this particular core value. Whoever walks with integrity. In other words, you're making the willful choice. Now, some of you right now, man, you got some stuff stirring inside and you're like, man, I have not been living an integrity life. I have been so corruptible. No one else knows. So what I'll do is I'll just sit here quietly, I'll exit the end of the service, and everything will be good. Well, the Bible tells us that we are not to be just hearers of the Word of God. We are to be doers. And the Bible says that we need to walk with integrity. Then guess what, my friend? We must step up to the plate and begin to walk with integrity. Whoever walks in integrity is an intentional choice. Or, there's another intentional choice here, he who makes his ways crooked. So it's one or the other. There's no middle ground in here. There's not an option C. There's not a, a C, both A and B. That's not how this works. Either you walk with integrity or you walk the crooked path. I ask you again, would you consider yourself a person of integrity? I'm not asking, are you perfect? I'm not asking that. Not a single one of us can achieve achieve perfection. Why? Because we're human. And the Bible says that, that every one of us falter. That every one of us makes mistakes. That every one of us goes down the wrong path from time to time. 
But the question is, are you striving to be more like God? Are you modeling your life after Him? Are you doing your absolute best to walk with integrity? Or are you choosing to make your way crooked? Am I incorruptible? Can I be swayed? Are you incorruptible? Can you be swayed? What choice are you making in life? As Encounter Church, our core value is that we will model integrity at all times. We will refuse to compromise. I heard the story one time of a a self-righteous looking Sunday school teacher He was trying to impress upon the young boys in his class what it meant to be a Christian, what it meant to live a Christian life. And he asked them this question, boys, why do you think people call me a Christian? Room was absolutely silent. What seemed like an eternity went by and then suddenly little Johnny in the back of the room raised his hand and he suddenly said this, Well, maybe it's because they don't know you. Integrity is a very interesting word. We expect it from everyone else. We think that we've all got it. But secretly, we know that we don't have as much as we let on. In the book, The Day America Told the Truth, James Patterson and Peter Kim stated this. They did a mass survey of morality, and they discovered this. 91% of Americans stated they lie on a regular basis. 91%. With those statistics, guess what? That means some of y'all are liars. I'm just telling you what it's saying. 86% said they lie to their parents regularly. 69% state they lie to their spouse consistently. 75% say they lie to their friends. 50% say they regularly called into work sick but we're not sick. Integrity. We expect it from everybody else. We think we've got it, but if truth were told, secretly we know that we don't have quite as much as we let on. So how, how do we move from playing a part to live in a life. I would encourage you, we don't have the printed outlines because of all that's going on with COVID, but make sure you go on and get the notes for today. Go to the YouVersion app, go to events, go to Encounter Church, download the notes. All the fill-ins are there. Um, You can add extra notes. Maybe you want to just kind of process through some of this, because I'm telling you what, folks, this idea of integrity is so important. 
How do we move from playing a part to living a life? That's what I want to look at today. What does integrity look like in our lives, not only as a church, but as a people? I want to look at three vital areas of integrity. Three vital areas of integrity. Number one is this, integrity with God. The very foundation of our integrity, the very baseline of all of this is our integrity with God. As a Christian, we are called to live a life that is above reproach. We are called to be set apart. We are called to be different. If you grew up in the church, you've heard that from a very young age over and over. We are set apart. We're different. We're supposed to be unique. We're not of this world. We're, we're supposed to be different than the culture. We're not to let the culture invade us, but we invade the culture. All of these things transpire but we're called to live a life above reproach we're called to live by a higher standard not allowing the world to distract us or even taint our behavior listen carefully if the church does not stay committed to god it will open its door to the corruption of the world. And we're beginning to see it happen. If we don't hold tightly to the mission, if we don't hold tightly to the word of God, we'll reach out and we'll grab a hold of something. And we'll allow the corruption of the world to invade us. But Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says this, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. Man, this is one of my favorite scriptures. I, I read it, I quote it regularly. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Problem is, we read this scripture, we process through it, we say, oh, that's a really good scripture, pastor, but how often do we actually take it to heart? Don't allow the world to corrupt you. In the American culture, we are too quick to allow the world outside of these walls to penetrate the life inside these walls. Yet, just the exact opposite is what the Bible instructs us to do. It says, don't copy the behaviors. But what do we do? We follow suit with what the world is doing. We want to be tolerant. We want to be accepting. We want to be open to all things. I've even had pastors tell me, oh, in my church, we're open to everything. Then you stand for nothing. As a Christian, we are to be world changers, not world conformed. Jesus himself said, I'm sending you out into this world, not to be of this world, but to change this world. We haven't been sent to be consumed by the world, but we've been sent to be a light, to be a hope, to be a change that the world needs. In other words, as a Christian, we are called to make a choice 
to live a life that is honoring and pleasing to God. So in essence, we are called to live a life of integrity. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 20 says this, The Lord detests people with crooked hearts. You could say the Lord detests people who lack integrity. How can I say that? Because they look at our text. You either choose integrity or you make your ways crooked. The Lord detests people with crooked hearts. But he delights in those with integrity. This morning, I want to take a few moments. I want to look at the life of a man by the name of Daniel. Daniel was a man who was 100% dedicated to God. If you grew up in the church, maybe you remember the name Daniel. We oftentimes equate him with a den of lions. Do you remember that? We're going to talk a little bit about that story this morning. Daniel demonstrated to us the characteristics that must be a bedrock, the foundation of our individual lives and as the church of God. Look what the Bible says in Daniel chapter 6. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because of an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then a high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel. Let me just say this. Not everyone is going to appreciate your level of integrity. The Bible says that they will hate you because of Christ. Doesn't make sense. I don't get it. I can't comprehend it. All that I can say is this. The world is anti-God. The world doesn't understand God. They don't grasp it. Let me move on. But they could find no ground for complaints or any faults because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Daniel was a man who exemplified God to a wicked culture. Again, what would happen if the church began to rise up and exemplify God to a wicked culture? Now, this story wouldn't be nearly as relevant if our culture wasn't wicked. But guess what, my friend? Same animals, different zoo. The world is still wicked, just as it was then, it is now. Because of Daniel's witness, he found favor with the king. We are called to be godly, to be set apart, even in a world that is anything but godly. Daniel was promoted in the government, which led to a powerful impact for God on the people. God takes delight when we walk with integrity. First Chronicles chapter 29, I know, my God, that you examine our hearts and rejoice when you find integrity there. When we begin to walk with integrity it catches the attention of god god is pleased with our actions so daniel again he possessed the very foundation the characteristics that we need and what were those characteristics integrity and faithfulness to god 
The phrase, an excellent spirit, that we just read a moment ago, remember it said Daniel uh, had an excellent spirit within him. This idea or phrase, an excellent spirit, can be translated attitude. Daniel had an excellent, amazing attitude. He was determined and he vowed to keep his life right with God. Now, was this kind of a, a moment, like suddenly somewhere mid-adulthood, somewhere along the line, Daniel decided, you know, I'm going to live a life of integrity. It's not going to last very long, but for this moment, for this time, I'm going to do that. Well, here's what I want you to understand. Even as a very young man, I want to talk to our young adult men in the house. Even as a young man, Daniel determined that he would be a man of integrity. He, he drew a line in the sand. He resolved in his heart that he would not defile his God. In fact, in Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, it says this, but Daniel was determined. Have you ever been determined on something? One of you have been determined on something. Thank you. Now, have we ever been determined? Some of you are bullheaded. That's determination. Right? Don't look at your spouse right now. Come on. Now, we've all been determined on something, but have you been determined not to defile yourself against God? It says, but Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and the wine given to him by the king. Now, between Daniel chapter 1 and Daniel chapter 6, which we're going to jump into in just a moment, we read a little bit about a moment ago, about 60 years has transpired. And during this 60-year span, Daniel is still found to have an excellent spirit a determined attitude, Daniel is still found to be a man of integrity. No error can be found in him. Not in his religious walk, that's what happens on Sunday. Not in his dealings with people, not in his day in and day out actions and opportunities. Daniel was above reproach. He raised the standard. Why? Because he determined in his heart that he would please God. And then we read it a moment ago, not one fault, not one bit of error could be found in Daniel's life. He was a man that chose to live a life of integrity. And it was displayed in his attitude. It was displayed in his conversation, in his relationships, because of that, he gave him favor with others and with God. How did he develop this attitude? I mean, was Daniel just gifted as a man of integrity? He came out of his mama's womb and suddenly, boom, boom, a man of integrity. Is that how that works? No, it's a choice. It's a decision that we must make. And as Daniel was pursuing this idea or lifestyle of integrity, he understood that he could not do it alone. Why? Because we live in a wicked and perverse world that will do everything it can to take us off course. Satan, our adversary, our enemy, he knows what to do to trip you up. 
He knows your weakness. He'll whisper it in your ear. He'll help you justify your behavior. Some of you, even during this service this morning, he's began whispering in your ear. Oh, yeah, you really haven't walked the right way, but it's okay because this. Your actions can be justified because that. Or no one really knows, so it doesn't really matter. Right? But Daniel understood that the only way that he could be a man of integrity was to be a man of prayer. Boy, this pulls us back to our very first core value. We value prayer, not mere chatter. Daniel could have gotten up and he could have wooed the crowd with great conversation. He could have told them what he thought they wanted to hear. He could have played the great politician role and kind of tickled their ears a little bit. But he understood that that would not last. That they would find the loophole, they would find the error, they would find the mistake. So he realized that the only way that he could be a man of integrity was to be a man of prayer. Daniel chapter 6, again, 60 years later, it said Daniel knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom since early days. Now, this wasn't three prayers a day. Some of you, some of you right now, you said, well, I pray three times a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> That's not the kind of prayer that Daniel made. Daniel took the time to seek first the kingdom of God. Understand this, your integrity with God will not always be received by the world. Daniel's wasn't. But honestly, why should it be? Oftentimes, the world takes a stand that's just the opposite of that of God. So even though Daniel was a man of integrity, a group rose up against him. People were jealous of Daniel. Long story short, they determined, and it had a, a law written, that if he continued to pray, that he would be thrown into a den of lions. Boy, that sounds like a good day, right? But even when it meant the possibility of being thrown to the lions. Daniel held fast to his integrity. He was not able to be compromised. He was incorruptible. In fact, the Bible says in Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, the very beginning, but when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem, he prayed. prayed. Now, some of us in the room were saying, well, pastor, I would have prayed. I would have kept the windows closed, the shades pulled, and I would have gone in the closet where it's quiet. But not Daniel. Daniel's like, no. I've got to be who God's called me to be. He opened the window. He knelt down. He began to cry out to God knowing full well what he was going to face. We've got to have integrity with God. Number two, integrity with self. Look what the psalmist David writes in Psalm chapter 7. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to the integrity that is in me. Wow. That takes courage. 
How many of us today can say, yeah, I'll pray that prayer. God, judge me according to my righteousness. God, judge me according to the integrity inside of me. That's a hard statement to make. God is a righteous judge. He measures our integrity and holiness by His integrity and holiness. He doesn't measure it by someone else's opinion, yours or mine or anyone else's, but He measures it by His truth. God responds to truth. Unfortunately, there's a shortage in today's society of integrity. There's a shortage on television, on social media, in the workplace, on the news, on the radio. Sadly enough, the shortage can even be seen in our politicians, not all, but some, some church leaders, and even in our personal households. The problem in our culture is this. Truth, rights, and wrong has become a matter of opinion. It all depends on how it affects me, how I perceive it. Could it be that this shortage of integrity has caused and is causing a large portion of our society's problem? I believe so. See, if we dig into this idea of integrity a bit more, we could define it as this, a code of ethics and values by which we are measured. In what are we basing our ethics and our values? Again, it must be upon the truth, the Word of God. Our character must be above reproach. It was Thomas Macaulay that once said this, the measure of a man's real character is what he would do if he knew he would never, never would be found out. So let me read that again. The measure of a man's real character is what he would do if he knew he would never be found out. Another way to say it is this. The true definition of character is the way you would behave if you thought no one was watching. It doesn't matter how the world defines integrity. It matters how God defines integrity. Again, Daniel had a choice to make. And he chose to be a man of utmost integrity. I ask you today, will you choose? Will you step up to the plate? Will you refuse to compromise, will you determine today to be a man or a woman of integrity? We've got to have integrity with God. We've got to have integrity with self. And area number three is this, integrity with others. Again, look what David had to say in Psalm 101. He says, I will be careful to live a blameless life. Let me pause. Was David perfect? No. Now, if you read the story, David made some mistakes. There were huge consequences to his mistakes. But here he says, I will be careful to live a blameless life. When will you come to help me? 
I will lead a life of integrity in my own home. David understood he couldn't do it by himself. The pressures around, the the things he faced in life. He realized that he couldn't do this by himself, so what did he say? Man, I'm going to strive. I'm going to strive to be a man of integrity. But here's the deal, God. I need your help. When will you come and help me? Let's go back to Daniel. Daniel pressed forward with integrity. He allowed his prayer to drive his life, his connection with God, his influence on those around him. He understood that as he prayed, it affected his behavior with people around him. Guess what, my friend? If you claim to be a Christian, people are watching you. Are you consistently consistent? They're watching how you behave. They're watching the consistency of your life or the lack thereof. They're watching your response, your words, your behavior. It was Zig Ziglar that once said this, it is true that integrity alone won't make you a leader, but without integrity, you will never be one. Some of you just took a sigh of relief because you thought, man, I'm not a leader. I don't have to worry about it. I beg to differ with you today. If you are a Christian, if you are a believer, if you've given your life to Christ, you are called to be a leader. Take a look at this verse in Titus. And you yourself must be an example to them by doing good works of every kind. Let everything you do reflect the integrity and seriousness of your teaching. That's a leader. Live your life in such a way that people long to follow you. Go into all the world and make disciples. How can you make a disciple if you're not leading? Because a disciple is someone that follows. It doesn't say go into all the world and make a friend. We need friends, but that's not our mission. Go into all the world and meet people. We need to meet people, but that's not our mission. We've got to lead. We've got to make an impact for the kingdom of God. If you're going to fulfill the Great Commission, you are called to go and make disciples. You are called to lead the way. It begins with integrity. Will you choose today? to refuse to allow your life to be defiled. I don't have time to tell the rest of the story, but suffice it to say that Daniel was thrown in the lion's den. But the good news is God's always with us. God closed the mouths of the lions. God rescued Daniel in that moment. Are you willing today draw a line in the sand to refuse to allow any lifestyle, any behavior, any action to separate you from God, to lower the standard that he's designed for you. Are you willing to move forward 
in a life of integrity. As a church, our our fifth core value is we value integrity. We model integrity at all times. Are you ready to join with us in that core value? Let's pray. God, I pray right now that you'll be with us. Lord, help us. Help us to model integrity. Help us to be incorruptible. Help us to refuse to be defiled. Help us to refuse to walk the crooked path. But Lord, help us to walk with you. To be like Daniel. To be a man of integrity. Lord, speak to our hearts right now. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, you're here and you say, Pastor, I I don't have Jesus in my life. I haven't asked him to forgive me of my sin, but I want to do that today. That's the very beginning of all of this. If that's you, I want you to know it's good news. The Bible says if we confess our sins, that God is faithful and just to forgive our sins, to cleanse us of all the wrong we've ever done. So if that's you today and you want to confess your sins, you want to give yourself to Jesus, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Is that you today? All across the house. I want to pray with you if that's you. Second question. Pastor, I'm, I'm determined from this day forward I want to live a life of integrity. Maybe you've already been on that path. Maybe, maybe you, you've compromised a bit. Maybe you've compromised a lot. I don't know. But what I do know is you're making a choice today to live a life of complete integrity. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to do something very bold. Would you stand today? If that's you, would you stand? Any others? We've got a handful of people standing right now. Anyone else stand? Three seconds. Two seconds. God, I pray right now for every person that's taking a stand in this room. Lord, they're determining. Lord, they're going to walk the straight path with you. Lord, they're going to make choices that are pleasing to you. They're going to honor you in all that they say and all that they do. Lord, they're going to refuse to allow the world to corrupt them. Lord, they're going to walk in a path, in a line directed to you. Give them boldness. Give them courage. Give them determination. Lord, help them to realize and remember, Lord, that you are their foundation. Lord, that they can't do this on their own, but they need you. 
would help them every single day give them boldness in Jesus name we pray